you. Thank you, worship team, for pointing us to Jesus this morning, week in and week out, for all of you who volunteer to make this gathering possible. Uh, and thank you for making corporate worship with the family of Jesus a priority in the year 2020. That's a really big deal, and we don't take that lightly, so thank you. We are a little bit congested today. I do apologize for that. Uh, same thing is happening in our kids' city area. We will go back to two gatherings uh, next week as our college students will also be returning to classes, and so uh, that will start an, with a 9.30. We're also going to kick it off with an opportunity to just gather around some food together. So for you who might get up a little earlier, we're going to have an 8.45 family breakfast. There'll be lots of breakfast casseroles and tables and hot coffee waiting for you at 8.45, so we hope you can make it. I really am excited about this new year. New year is a time when many of us make resolutions, right? And so last Sunday I asked if you would wait till January 5th to make resolutions. Now some of you are you just overachievers and you jumped the gun and you started your diets already. And so uh, congratulations on five days of eating healthy for those of you who have started the new year like that. Diets and fads and trends are really interesting, aren't they? Some of us actually meet those goals, uh, and others of us really, uh, m you know, maybe about mid-March before those things start tabling off and the, the pressures of just quick food or fried food just overwhelm us and so we cave. But goals are good. Resolutions are good. There's nothing wrong with resolutions. But what I want to talk to you today about is something that I believe is better than resolutions. Because here's what happens if you're like me. You make a resolution and it works really well for a short amount of time. But old habits are hard to break, aren't they? Well, I said I was going to uh, maybe exercise more, but I sure love sleeping in on my days off, right? And, and that's a habit that gets hard to break. And so what I'm posing to you today is something that pertains more to creating new habits instead of resolutions. And for today's purposes, we're going to call them rhythms. Today, I want to talk to you about why I believe new rhythms are better than resolutions. And so today I'm going to give you four rhythms that I hope we can take to heart and put into practice in this new year. And even though we have high aspirations, our rhythms often trump resolutions. John Eldridge had a wonderful quote that I think is going to really set the stage for our time together. John Eldridge said, teach a man a rule and you will help him solve a problem. Teach a man to walk with God, and you help him solve the rest of his life. I want you to plant that in your minds this morning. Maybe you need to screenshot that screen, or maybe you just need to write that in your notebook. Because we could talk about new rules, and you could sh solve some short-term problems. Or if we would learn to walk with God, then we would solve the rest of our lives. And so these rhythms that I want to talk to you today about are about walking with God in the new year, not simply having a short list of resolutions. Resolutions are like rules, but rhythms 
Help us to fulfill one of our distinctives. Our last distinctive is that we submit all of life to Jesus. We're going to talk more in the next three weeks about vision for the new year. We're doing a series called 2020 Vision. We're going to talk about what's important as a church. But today I want to talk to you about some personal rhythms. Not just cutting back on a few foods or exercising more, but submitting all of our lives to King Jesus, to reorient our lives, priorities, and schedules to make what's important to God important to us. Because when we learn to walk with Jesus, then like John Eldridge said, we can solve the rest of our lives. These rhythms that I'm going to share with you are a trellis-like structure. For any gardeners in the room, maybe uh, you've put a, some sort of a, a trellis, maybe the, the tomato wire that helps the plant grow upward, that keeps it off of the ground and allows it to bear more and healthy fruit. These rhythms are like a trellis. They're structures that we put in our lives that help us bear fruit, help us reorient our lives around what is important to God. And today I will suggest four of them that I believe have the power to transform your year. The first rhythm that I want to encourage you to create in your life is simply this, prayer. Now before you tune out, because you go, I've heard this one before, I want you to know that I'm just not going to tell you to pray more this year and then send you on your way. That's not what I'm asking. I want to share with you a transformative prayer practice that I'm guessing the majority of people in this room are completely unfamiliar with. And here's the approach to prayer that most people take. We pray prayers like, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Pray for those who are sick. Forgive me of my sins. Amen. And these prayers are great. There's nothing wrong with these prayers. In fact, many children mutter these prayers from their lips, and I am quite certain that God, that brings honor and glory to our God. But for today's purposes, I want to call this talking at God. Many of us have spent our prayer lives talking at God. We're simply saying things that come to mind, that things that we're thankful for, things that we know we ought to pray about, and so far and so we are we're talking at God. But for some people, you've made a shift to the next step in this prayer journey. And I want to read Psalms 34, 15 to you. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their cry. I want you to know that God hears your prayers. God listens to your prayers they don't hit the walls of your bedroom or living room or prayer closet and just stop. Our Father God, Creator God in heaven, hears our prayers and inclines His ear in attentiveness to the cries of our heart. Our Father cares for you. He listens to you. This next type of prayer, and some people make it to this, is a little bit deeper prayer. We'll call it for today's sake, talking to God. So we're not simply talking at God, but we're actually talking to God. And maybe it may sound like the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're talking to God. Or maybe you've heard others uh, pray things like this. Hey Jesus, or hey Dad, hi Father, 
you see the level of intimacy that is now stemming from talking to God rather than simply talking at God. There's an acknowledgement that God is Father and that He is listening and He cares for us. And talking to God is a good thing. Psalm 5 and 3 says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Talking to God is a wonderful thing. And our Father hears our prayer. But there's a third style of prayer. And this third style of prayer is actually listening to God. So rather than us doing all the talking at God or talking to God, even in an intimate way, that we're actually listening to God. We're pausing. We're sitting still to let Him respond. We're surveying His Word to allow Him to speak His truth through His written Word to us. And we're taking note of what our Father is impressing on our hearts. I've never seen God. I've seen God move in intangible ways. I've seen the evidence of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but sometimes I think I may have. It sounds so clear that it's like an audible voice in my life. Have you learned to listen to God? He's speaking all the time. Some of us just don't get still and quiet enough to push out the distractions of our day, the distractions that constantly bombard us in order to hear His voice. Father loves His children and is speaking with them. Listening to God is where we really sit and listen to Him in order to try to hear something from God. Sometimes in trying so hard to make something happen, we might even mistake a passing thought as a word from the Lord in efforts to feel more connected to Him. So there's some discernment then that comes into play in listening to God. Lastly, there's another form of praying that actually allows us to simply sit in the presence of God and enjoy Him like a child on His Father's lap. And for today's purpose, we're going to call it being with God. Now, I've included this under the prayer category because I believe that sitting in the stillness of God and enjoying the presence of God is a form of prayer with our Father, being with God. Psalm 46 and 10, a verse that many of you have heard, cease striving or be still and know that I am God. To simply sit and dwell in the presence of God. Of our Father, to know that He loves us, and to, uh, to to know that He cares for us. That's why I love I love what James did earlier. Just we're just opening our hands to our Father, not just giving Him of what we have, but receiving from Him what He would give us. It's sitting in His presence. It's being with Dad. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know how valuable it would be to have just a few more moments to sit. In the presence of a loved one. And yet every moment of every day. Our Father lends us the opportunity to sit in His presence. Long after words cease to be still and know that I am God. 
In his book called Quiet, the author A.J. Sherrill says, At some point our relationship with God demands we move away from words, away from noise, and away from the mental chatter toward discovering God in the quiet, the stillness, and the silence. One of the apps uh, that a friend of mine was recently telling me about is called the Pause app. Uh, The Pause app is a very practical tool to help you begin to practice being with God. You can download it on your iPhone or Android uh, device there. It's just called, it's called pause. It has two little lines there. It's a white screen and you can set reminders and you can set a length of time. And it's just a, a, it's a, it's a reminder throughout the day. Mine goes off at 8, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., which I found are two of the busiest times of my day and two times when my mind just runs and it forces me to sit and practice the presence of God. The goal of being with God is to experience loving union with God. Pete Scazzaro says loving union is opening up your whole being to the will and presence of King Jesus. All of you open to all of him. Every part of you, the ugly part that you have worked so hard to hide from everyone else, fully exposed to the loving Father who knows you yet loves you. Holy and completely. It's giving access to Jesus for all of your life. Not just the public parts. Not just the the parts that you post online. But giving Him access to all of it. It's more than just reading the Bible. It's experiencing God firsthand. You know, one of my great fears in life is that my children would grow up and just uh, want to inherit mom and dad's relationship with the Lord. I want them to experience God firsthand. How are we learning to practice the presence of God in a way that we are experiencing God? That God, when someone tells us that uh, when we come up against some difficult circumstances, we have a lasting and real understanding that He is who He says He is because we have experienced Him firsthand. The second rhythm that I want to talk to you this morning about is rest. Rest. First was prayer. Second is rest. Mark 6, 31. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Isn't that so indicative of our culture today? That we're so trapped in the busyness of life that maybe you don't even enjoy, know the last time that you actually enjoyed a bite of your food. That you enjoyed the presence of those around you. We live in a culture that is inundated with restlessness. And when you greet someone, if you don't believe me, just ask them how they do, how they're doing. And what will, no doubt, one of the first words that comes out of their mouth will be, well, busy. I've just been busy. I've been busy. You know, busyness is the enemy of a relationship with the Lord. 
When we busy ourselves to the point where we don't even know what it's like to sit still. How can we experience the presence of God when our bodies, our minds, our mouths, and our ears are constantly running, filled with information, unable to experience the greatest things in life? A relationship with a loving Father. This category is about practical rhythms of being re-energized to enjoy the things that really matter. So what are you doing rhythmically that nurtures your spirit? Let me put it another way. What fills up your cup? What are you doing that restores your soul? I'm not saying what do you do that is numbing your soul. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in what nurtures me and what numbs me. Generally, I run to the things that numb me. That's just in my own flesh. And you do the same thing. We scroll endlessly through social media. We go to that maybe comfort food or drink that is a bit numbing in nature rather than actually moving toward the things that nurture our soul, that nurture a loving union with God. So speaking of those depleting things, what robs you of your energy? What robs you of God's joy? For me, it's, it's, it's movies with a darker evil content. I can't be exposed. My mind just can't process it. That's not a, this is not an indictment on those of you who like those types of, uh, of films or, or movies. But uh, for me, it, it steals something for me. It robs me of, of, of God's nurturing spirit in my life. Uh, maybe there's certain activities that rob you. Maybe it's your normal work flow that robs you. Maybe it's a person in your life that depletes you of all of your energy. Now, if that's your children, you cannot abandon them. That is not what I'm saying. You signed up for that, okay? That didn't come drinking from the water fountain, people. So what would it look like to be aware of those things that deplete our joy and to invest our time in activities that nurture our soul and that loving union with God? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How are you stepping away and resting periodically? Now, this is not a new concept, because when God created the heavens and earth, after he was finished with his earth, he rested. God, in his very creation, was showing us the importance of stepping away from our work. Stepping away from the things that deplete us. Now, let me ask you a, a practical question. Why would God need to rest? He's God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. He's God. He always has been and always will be. Why would he rest? I would propose to you that he was teaching us to live in a way that was healthy to our very nature. 
He was teaching us to rest. The Old Testament, the word Sabbath was used. Now, Jesus talks about Sabbath. Jesus says the Sabbath was not created, uh, the man was not created for Sabbath, but Sabbath was created for the man. Rest was created for man. Sabbath just simply meaning to stop, to pause on what we're doing, to get perspective on our lives. Now, I know uh, some of you uh, have maybe heard me talk about the practice of Sabbath in my own life. My family and my household have have been uh, practicing Sabbath for about a month now. It's changing the game for us. You say, doesn't that sound anxious or, 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 or rather ancient or weird? Maybe. When my non-believing friends ask me why I didn't answer my phone on Saturday, I generally don't say because I was practicing Sabbath. But a, a thing that does translate really well is we step away from technology for a 24-hour period every week. It's changing the game for us. I'm a better daddy. I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend because of Sabbath. I'm a better pastor because of practicing this. So on Friday nights, we have, we've been, we call it a Sabbath meal. We cook a big meal. We prep everything ahead of time. And we prep for Friday night and for Saturday till dark. We go from dark to dark. And we just enjoy. We do things that nurtures our soul. We do things, we stop doing things that depletes us, like comparing ourselves to everyone else on social media. And so we put devices away, and we don't pick them back up until Saturday at dark. Now, remember what Jesus says. Sabbath was not created. I don't want you to be legalistic on this thing, all right? So there'll be a time when I do respond to your text on Saturdays. But we're learning a rhythm of pulling away from the world, withdrawing, doing things that nurtures our soul. This is, my wife described it as this the other day. She said, this feels like a snow day. You remember being a kid and having a snow day? Everything's shut down. You can't do anything. So all you do is you just enjoy. You just play. My kids already within the month have said, I can't wait until Saturday. We were playing uh, some games together as a, as a household. I keep saying household because my friend, we have a new guest in our home. She lives in our extra bedroom. Her name's Whitney Nichols. If you haven't met her yet, she's wonderful. So I say household a lot because she's a part of our family now. So we play games uh, as a part of our household. And we're playing. And Ryder said, my son, my 10-year-old boy, he said, I love Saturdays because we're not in a rush to finish the game so we can go do another thing. We're just enjoying and it's, it's replenishing our energy levels. It's changing the way we think throughout the week. It's realizing that the world, it's a constant weekly reminder that the world does not revolve around me or our family, that the world is going to keep spinning long after we're gone. And it's a beautiful thing. So the two things we do on Sabbath, you might ask, well, what do you do? Well, we do things that are one of two things, restful and worshipful. Now, that don't mean we're standing around taking naps and then doing worship sets and then repeating. That's not what we do. Uh, yesterday, I enjoyed some golf. It was wonderful. We played family games. We cooked a meal together. We took a nap together. It was just a worshipful and restful day. The third rhythm is relationships. Prayer, rest, and then relationships. You need connection in your life. You need connection. You cannot do this by yourself. You will be lonely and you will be miserable. 
God did not design us to live life alone. Christianity was always meant to be a team sport. Now, we're going to talk uh, much more about this next week because we're getting into our vision series. And this is a big part of the vision of City Church is community. But I will tell you a quick story. We had some old friends this week, early in the week, uh, over at our home for dinner. We laughed. We cried. We shared stories. We feasted together. We confessed sin to each other. And we were in the process of all that. Our souls were being knitted together and we were experiencing spiritual healing, even in our friendship. Connection is important and we were all created with an innate need. So who is walking the journey ahead of you? Who's walking the journey with you? Who's walking the journey behind you that you're showing the way? And we'll talk more about that next week. The fourth and last rhythm is the rhythm of work. Oh, right? Like you had me at all the rest. I loved it. I loved the connection. I had the time with the Father, time with others, resting for myself. This is all good. But work, yes, your life needs meaning. God created you to create in some way. In his very nature, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Work is good. The reason that we don't think work is good is because most of the time we're not doing it right. We're going into work with the wrong mindset. We're going into work with the wrong perspective. And it creates hostility. It creates tension. It creates anxiety and frustration with those that we work for or those that we work with. Or those that work with us. I recently heard a story of a group of janitors at a local hospital who set out to create meaning through their occupation. Instead of simply doing their job, they decided they would see their work as an opportunity, get this, to be a part of something significant. When interviewed, they identified their janitorial processes as a part of the healing process. They said their job was very important because they helped to create sterile environments that aided doctors and nurses and surgeons in practicing their skills in order to create opportunities for the body to function properly. Janitors at a hospital. The work of the janitors also included being agents of care. Their words, this wasn't the boss telling them, this is what they came up with. They connected with patients and staff as well as created a welcoming environment for hospital guests such as patients' friends and family. Do you see how the janitors were giving the love of God to others and creating meaning on the job in a way that others might see as meaningless? You were made to live with meaning. I'm guessing that if you and I could spend a little time together, look at your occupation, we could find some holy work there. Someone, a friend of mine works for the Conway Economic Development Commission. And he said, I just feel like, I feel like God gave me my work, but I can't say that. I feel like I can't say that because it just sounds silly and no one would understand. I said, what? God started with a garden. He's finishing with a city. You don't think that your job as an economic developer is holy work? Absolutely it is. That's why you feel that way. Because God created you to live and work in this space. 
So how in our work can we receive the love of God and give the love of God through our grind? Well, for starters, maybe the janitor could receive the love of God by thanking God for the opportunity to have a healthy body and mind that would allow for physical labor. Your job, like it or not, provides the income to take care of your family or friends or just yourself by providing basic needs as f- such as food, clothing, and shelter. Have you ever stopped and thanked God for His provision through your work? Many of us don't. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord. Whatever you do. Whatever job you have, you might say, do it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. Work is good. Proverbs 12, 11 says, Those who work the lamb will have abundant food, but those who chase vanity, fantasies have no sense. There's an indictment on modern culture. It's good to have a passion that you want to pursue, but it's better to work the land And God promises abundant food. I'm speaking figuratively, of course. But to have a job that pays the bills is a gift from the Lord. How am I receiving the love of God and giving the love of God in all these areas? Prayer, rest, work, and relationships. Every one of these rhythms is an opportunity to receive and give the love of God. In our life. And the love of God must be at the center of all four of these. The other four all are circled around love at the core. And without receiving the love of God in each of these areas, we cannot give it to others. It's essential that we keep these four rhythms in balance with one another. For example, never do something on the work front that impedes with your relationship with the Lord or others. If it is, learn to say no. Keeping the love of God in balance with all four of these areas is the recipe for positive spiritual transformation in the year 2020. So how can we reorient our lives around things that nurture a loving union with God in these four areas? In closing, I want to tell you about uh, a quote from the co-founder of Atari. Y'all remember Atari? Joystick button, that was it. Pac-Man, jump across the alligator's heads, you know, hop across the road, you know what I'm talking about? This is what he said. Everyone who has ever taken a shower has had an idea. But it's the people who get out of the shower, towel off, and do something about it that make the difference. Actually trying an idea will teach you more in one day than spending a year thinking about it. God has pressed something on you this morning. I'm certain of it. In one of those areas, in all of those areas, God is nudging you towards something. I love resolutions. They're great. I love goal setting. My life is a product of it. Many have failed. But what would it look like to actually go out and practice this new rhythm? Now, before you can walk, you have to crawl. And so let me encourage you, take baby steps in these coming days and weeks towards something. You don't have to block off an entire 24-hour period. But what if you downloaded that app 
and spent three minutes two times a day practicing the presence of God, watching what He would begin to nurture in your own life and in your family. I want to finish our time together with a quote that started this talk. Teach a man a rule, you will help him solve a problem. Teach a man to walk with God, and you can help him solve the rest of his life. I'm looking forward to what God has in store for you and for this family in the year 2020. It's going to be exciting. Let's learn to reorient our lives around things that matter to Him and watch what He does with our tiny little efforts, our feeble little attempts. Watch what our God will do with your small faith, even the size of a mustard seed. May God bless you and keep you in the new year. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this revelation, Lord, for this new year. God, would you help the people in this room, the people who are viewing online, the people who will watch this later in the week, would you help us, Lord, to create healthy rhythms that would guide us to reorient our lives around things that matter to you, God, so that we could experience life under your son, Jesus, to the absolute fullest in this new year. We love you. We trust you. We believe you. Lord, we will follow you. Hear our worship. And may these songs that we sing be pleasing to your ear. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.